Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm really quite close to, very close to, to the cutting edge in AI, and it scares the hell out of me. Welcome to the Beltel Podcast on AI, where we dive deep into the captivating world of artificial intelligence. Join us as we explore the latest breakthroughs, applications, and ethical considerations surrounding this rapidly evolving technology. Get ready to unlock the future with us. I didn't write that introduction. It was written in two seconds by Chat GPT. It makes you wonder, am I going to be needed this time next year? There will be fewer and fewer jobs that a robot cannot do better. These are not uh, things that I think that I wish would happen. These are things, simply things that I think probably will happen. Will AI take our jobs? Will it be misused to create warped and dangerous political propaganda? Or, as science fiction predicts, will the machines simply become smarter than humans and rebel against us? Human decisions are removed from strategic defense. Skynet begins to learn at a geometric rate. It becomes self-aware at 2.14 a.m. Eastern Time, August 29th. In a panic, they try to pull the plug. Skynet fights back. Yes. To discuss the incredible world of AI, I'm joined by my human colleague, Curtis Reed, to look at the world ahead of us. Mark my words, AI is far more dangerous than nukes. Curtis, once again, you're very welcome to the Bell Tale. Thank you very much, Kieran. I suppose the question is, and for most of our listeners, they'll be asking, what is this AI anyway? It stands for Artificial Intelligence. Can you explain it to me in a way that I might be able to understand? Yeah. So, I mean, the best way to explain it is that artificial intelligence is simply an artificial way of thinking. Uh, We define intelligence as thinking, logic, learning, but to make it artificial means that it's done by a machine. Uh, It's created through various forms of algorithms, programs, and the majority of artificial intelligence actually has to be created and taught to machines. But what makes it artificial and what makes it interesting is that once it's taught, it can basically learn itself and learn more aspects of it. Um, I think people are under the impression that it's a relatively new phenomenon. Um, artificial intelligence at its very basic core has been around for decades. Uh, I think the the first sort of known example dates back to the 1950s. Um, you know, and in, in terms of the conversation around it now is that 
it's this brand new thing. It's this thing that's, uh, you know, people are excited about that they're talking about it when realistically a form of it has always existed. I mean, for example, you have spell check on Microsoft Word. That's a form of artificial intelligence. I think people most, I think most people who use uh, the likes of Microsoft Word think that it's your computer running through a dictionary and trying to to find a word that has been spelled incorrectly and it's trying to correct it. That's that's not the case. It's it's using an algorithm. It's using a prompt in the form of your letters, and therefore that's a form of artificial intelligence. It's trying to find something uh, by using by using an algorithm in order to 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 get the right result for you. Uh, and then you have things like uh, Google. You know, when you when you go on to Google to, uh, this evening or or any time when you, when you type in a prompt into the Google search engine, it will give you examples of you know suggestions what you're looking for. That's artificial intelligence that you're prompting. Um, you know, and and I think you know the the buzz around it right now is because it's more accessible than ever in its basic format, and that's things like ChatGPT, that's things like Google's Bard, um, you know, that's that's things that people can play about with, and for the first time in a long time, people are getting access to very sophisticated forms of artificial intelligence. Well, you mentioned Chat. Uh, GPT there. I'm sure many university lecturers and school teachers would be very interested in that and we'll come back to it. But just before I went on air, I asked Chat GPT to write 100 words on the bell tell. It took it two minutes, uh, but here's what it came up with. The Bell Tell Podcast is a captivating audio experience that has taken the podcasting world by storm. With its thought-provoking discussions and engaging storytelling, it has captured the hearts and minds of listeners around the globe. The hosts, with their expertise and charismatic personalities, guide listeners through a diverse range of topics, from technology and science to arts and culture. Each episode is meticulously crafted, offering deep insights and fresh perspectives that leave a lasting impact. The Bell Tell Podcast has become a staple in the podcasting community, providing a platform for intellectual exploration and fostering meaningful conversations. Thank you, ChatGPT. Curtis, I think that we can agree that that was very flattering. Yeah. But yeah. a bit over the top. Yeah, I mean, it's ChatGPT is a weird and wonderful thing. It's good at certain things and it's horrendous at other things. And that's where you really sort of have to look at it, at what it really is, which is simply just a, a chatbot that people can play about with. It's not this huge form of sophisticated artificial intelligence that's been made accessible to the public and anybody who signs up for it. Essentially, at its core, it's a chatbot. You're entering prompts and it's giving you information that it's scarring the internet to try and find information on and therefore it's presenting it in a, in a more human way. But the, the massive critique against it, like you just said there, is that the text that it generates is very flat. It's it's almost completely obvious that it's been generated by a computer. It's been generated by by algorithms. It has no spirit. It has no human voice. And quite frankly, one of the the largest accusations at the moment is that it's it's majority of the time it's wrong. It's it's flat out wrong. But kids are trying to use it for their homework. They are. Yeah, I mean, it's when you come to the industries that are affected by specifically ChatGPT, I think it, its education is up there. I mean, I think all of us in university or, or during our A-levels would have loved a, a computer program where you just asked it to write an essay and it simply did it for you. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it really is changing the landscape of particularly things like education. 
I suppose one of the questions that people might be saying, asking themselves, if we look back and we say, well, if, uh, you know, there were, there were chatbots 20 years ago, there was, there was um, spell checker, et cetera. So, I mean, what is the difference, I suppose, between artificial intelligence as it is now and computing as we understand it? I mean, you've got a laptop in front of you. I wrote this in a laptop. Yeah, I mean, I think you sort of need to look at artificial intelligence in two columns. Um, You have your things like your chatbots and and your ChatGPT. And then you also have other forms of artificial intelligence, which analyze vast amount of data. They look at figures. uh, They do mass equations. And, you know, they, they really analyze this type of information in order to get a result. Basically, it's a ginormous calculator that's being able to that's being able to process data in its thousands and millions, uh, something that a computer could do, but it could take a computer many days, many hours to work out the equations, but it could take artificial intelligence minutes. And I think if you if you look at artificial intelligence in two different ways, your chatbots and your, your programs that analyze things like that, I think it's sort of, you know, it, it makes you be able to understand the difference with where it's evolving right now. Um, I think, you know, we can get into this slight little trap where, you know, oh, look at the funny thing that ChatGPT did. But then if you look at the manufacturing industry in Northern Ireland who are trying to introduce artificial intelligence in order to analyze, you know, these these thousands of columns of data that they have in order to better their machinery, better their, their functions, you know, better their, their trade flows. And that's a type of artificial intelligence that's sort of getting lost in this larger conversation. Um, I mean, you had traditional computing. uh, It relied on explicit instructions. Now you have AI systems which can perform tasks, you know, automatically. And that's the real difference because it can recognize patterns and it can even understand human language. And that's what really separates the difference between what computing could do before, which was great, and we have evolved, we've had all these programs, uh, you know, made by these ginormous computer companies that have been great up until now, but they've always relied on a little bit of human contact. You've had to teach it, you've had to model it, you've had to, you know, go back and look at how, you know, you could improve it. Artificial intelligence is not only advancing the technology, but it's also looking at itself and teaching itself how to improve. You know, we in the Belltel have occasionally used um, in the in the in the last few months because the technology's only come out in the last couple of months to improve if there's a bad line. Now there's there's there are ethical issues because, I mean, we can't we can't improve people's voices beyond who they really are. But I took an archive uh, sample which was recorded in the 1930s, and it was crackly and it was it was a, like you could hear the echo of a person. You really had to listen hard to make anything out and I know people had been working on this audio for all their lives you know and using the latest technology and I put it through the artificial Adobe's artificial intelligence enhanced program and when I listened back I was almost frightened because the voice of someone long gone it was like they were in the room beside me but what sort of disturbed me in a way is that I realized after listening to it that that wasn't his voice that the artificial intelligence had listened to the recording and they didn't clean it up. They simply recreated yeah. the voice and they made him sound younger and they took. They made him sound like he's in the room. And whilst I thought, wow, that's amazing. It, it, and, and, and it's almost frightening, but it was artificial. Mm-hmm. I realised, no, no, that's not him. 
Yeah, and I mean, this is where people are going to have to to realize, and you know, there's there's going to have to be an evolution in understanding this type of technology, where people are going to have to be able to recognize the differences. Um, you just mentioned their audio specifically as well is is a huge, uh, you know, different kettle of fish. You know, you have music managers that are scared that artists who have been who have passed away, you're ordered, you're able to then get them to sing new songs that they've never sang before using artificial intelligence, and then you have the like of current artists I mean we had the most recent example where The Weeknd and Drake uh, teamed up for a song that went viral on TikTok only to find out that neither of them have ever collaborated with each other and the song was completely artificially uh, generated it took replications of Drake's songs and it took replications of The Weeknd songs it combined them both and it wrote itself lyrics and it simply made a a song which sounded like both of them Um, and both of them were not not pleased about it to say the least and we've seen with permission, films like some of the latest Star Wars films who have literally brought the characters who have now been de- deceased, some of them for quite a long time, and they've brought them back to life. Yeah, I mean, for example, I think it's James Earl Jones a couple of years ago. Um, he's he's in his late 90s now, I believe. He recently signed over his his voice likeness to be used in future Star Wars movies. For, for those of who don't know, he's the voice of Darth Vader, and it's a very iconic uh, voice, and it's very important to the Disney brand. And they want to continue to use that, despite the fact that, you know, they are aware that Mr. Earl Jones is, is getting up there in age. So he signed over... Uh, um, the rights to his voice so that they can artificially generate that voice in movies to come for, you know, God knows how long. That could be, you know, 40, 50 years. There could be Star Wars movies that, you know, our great-great-grandchildren could be watching and it could be James Earl's vo- James Earl Jones's voice as Darth Vader. But he died 40 years ago, so. Well, he's still alive. So we he's still alive podcast. at the moment, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, hypothetically, but, yeah. Of course. If we, just before we move on to some of the, the dangers, I suppose, a little earlier before we came, uh, uh, before we came to the studio, I spoke to Kevin, our visuals editor, and he took, us, he took me through everything that AI can do in the visuals field and what the possible dangers of that can be. I think people are able to adapt quite quickly. Uh, when Photoshop came onto the scene a long time ago, you know, for a while people were really quite fooled by photoshopped images and then pretty quickly developed uh, an understanding that images might be photoshopped. Uh, This will be like that, but on steroids. Kevin, you're very welcome to the Bell Tell. You haven't been here before because you're the visuals editor. Yes. And I'm the audio producer. And like, just hasn't happened before. But here we are to talk about AI, artificial intelligence. And it can do amazing things in the visual field. What can it do? And will the change in AI has been astronomical over the last, even the last few weeks? Recently, we've seen it introduced into the Adobe package, which has brought it into Photoshop now, which means almost anyone that can spend six ninety nine a month has access to create imagery in which you could only ever imagine. We, we've seen in the past few weeks people manipulating images that have changed even the field of, you know, you're taking a random picture. You could take a photograph across the River Lagan in Belfast. And before you know what, you have thunder and lightning in it. You can extend the picture out and it'll build a cityscape in the background you can ask it to add in just in a simple text field by typing in add the Eiffel Tower and before you know it sitting beside Titanic Belfast is a replica of the Eiffel Tower that is as realistic as you would see if somebody spent maybe 16 hours working on it in Photoshop it is scary changes so you're saying that is we're not even talking about years or a generation you're talking about weeks here I thought you were going to say well in the last few years and you start off well in the last few weeks so this it all seems to be accelerating 
Yes, it, it's it's developed so quickly. You know, we were looking at AI maybe around a month ago in which they were these really archaic type images being made. You know, you would have seen popular ones spreading on TikTok of Macaron holding a chicken and it was struggling with it. It couldn't make its claws. They were really long and it struggled with hands and fingers, especially in the start. Within the space of weeks, this has changed dramatically, um, especially with the Adobe package now. The, Anybody can go on and it creates anything and it is so realistic. It, this hasn't been some, obviously this has been a development of years and in the working in the background, but it almost seems within weeks of updates, as soon as so many users are using it, the system's watching what people are doing and it's developing off that so quickly. And what level of skill is needed to create these images? Absolutely very little. You could just simply go in, take a picture in the back garden tomorrow or out in Belfast City Centre in your mobile phone, load it into Adobe Photoshop and you would just literally drag a box to the right. There would be nothing in it. A text box then appears and it'll ask you to type in whatever you want in that. I could type in add cityscape with cyclists going along a towpath, whatever, and maybe about 30 seconds later that appears there and it gives you three options. And if you don't like those, you can regenerate it again and it'll give you another three and so forth. So the, the the possibilities are absolutely endless with it. Endless, but I mean, so you're a skilled photographer, an award-winning photographer, and obviously you can use all of these this software to improve images and sometimes pixelate images, etc. But, but we have standards, we have ethics. Do you feel that your job is in any way threatened by artificial intelligence? I, I think there's a balance between it. I, I think in terms of what I do, what I do is very niche. I do breaking news. I do things like that. They're live events. AI could not create what is happening now in Ardoyne. It could not create what's happening now in South Belfast. It, it cannot go to Stormont and photograph our politicians and show what's happening there. So I think in perspective for myself, it's quite unique what I do and therefore it can't do that. Now, a landscape photographer who's up on the North Coast taking beautiful scenery images, those could be just completely manipulated now and it can just generate all these landmarks, all of that and I think that's a risk. In terms of journalism, as you mentioned, there's standards, there's ethics to be upheld. When we look at imagery coming in, we have to be extremely careful. Now it is detrimental to go over every image. We're in a position where you start to have to consider, do we take images submitted by contributors or do we just look at those that we have a working relationship with, those people that we trust? And even at the moment, if we got pictures in, we have to try and geolocate them, make sure they happen in the right location, that what we're reporting is correct and all of that goes into it. But we're now adding a whole new element to this. What's in the image? Is it real? Was it originally there? Was that person there? Was this there? Um, We've even noticed on the last few months as well, more imagery in which people are sending and going, oh, I caught this thunderstorm, for example, over Loch Ness. And it turns out the image is just completely generated. It's been a normal picture of Loch Ness, but the thunderstorm's been added in in the background. And before you could see small details at the edge that would give this away, where you could see maybe a bit of the sky caught between someone's legs that they forgot to work on or whatever. But AI does not miss that. It it goes into every intricate detail and it becomes so, so difficult to spot. We'll talk again. Thanks very much, Kevin. Well, that was Kevin. We know some of the challenges that uh, AI could bring uh, uh, to journalism. So what about our jobs? We're journalists. What about our jobs? Could, could, could AI replace us? I mean, I think it could replace aspects of our jobs. I don't think it's going to ever fully replace the need for journalism. Well, at least ethical and and good journalism. Um, You know, I think, 
people had this discussion when computers were introduced that, you know, there was going to be this danger that, you know, thousands of people's jobs were going to be eradicated and, and industries like journalism were going to be completely uh, destroyed by the advancement of artificial intelligence. But, you know, it's, 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 it's a very difficult question to answer because at its core, journalism is, you know, providing information that's accurate and, and ethical and, and it's put out there in a text format. At a basic level, artificial intelligence can do that not a, with no problem. Now, making sure the information is correct is something right now at its current stage, which is, you know, extremely difficult. Um, ChatGPT is known for its huge issues with with accuracy and, and even libelous accusations. You're going to need a human to be able to fact check things. Um, and that's what a, a journalist can do. Um, in terms of investigation, uh, you know, when it comes to investigative journalism, you know, you have those journalists that sit down and they have to analyze, you know, these thousands of pages of data. You could use artificial intelligence to do that. But ultimately, you're still going to need a human perspective to understand what the investigation is, because as much as many people fear that it is, artificial intelligence is not human and it's not sentient. So therefore, it can't put a human angle on things like good journalism can. But Curtis, this is the thing. If I have understood AI as you've uh, understood it, I mean, you we program computers, we give them information. And yet AI are machines going beyond their programming and they start to self-program. They start to think artificially. I mean, how many films do we have to watch to, to before we realise this is not a good idea? I mean, when does Skynet become sentient and say, I'm going to get rid of them? How do we stop artificial intelligence launching the nukes i mean we've got we have had terminator film we have had the 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 android in, in alien we had the film irobot for example we've even had a film called artificial intelligence so for as long as since the the age of the microchip science fiction has been warning us and saying this is not a good idea Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely true. I mean, I think, you know, when people hear the term artificial intelligence, they automatically think of the, the Will Smith movie, iRobot, you know, where the, the robots turn on humanity and, and they want to eradicate them. And, you know, it has been subject to, to you know, thousands of jokes, uh, uh, you know, throughout the years that, oh, the robots will, will finally overtake us. You know, I think the concerns are are slightly valid. I don't can't foresee a future where where robots are going to destroy us within the next twenty years. Um, you know, ultimately, what I think is really interesting when it comes to artificial intelligence right now, and particularly the advancements of it, is the level of scrutiny that it faces. Um, you know, for example, you had social media. You know, social media. You know, was born. Uh, you know, in the mid two thousands, and and you know, it catapulted. You know, the way, or it completely, you know, changed the way we use the internet. It was, you know, the the you know the greatest introduction of technology in in quite some time. It was allowed to reign free for quite a long time. You know, Mark Zuckerberg was uh, a teenager. He founded Facebook. It was really great. People noticed the issues with Facebook whilst using it, but ultimately it was never seen in a, in a bad way for a long time. And then eventually, a couple of years ago, you know, 
only due to leaks with the Cambridge Analytica scandal was he brought before uh, was he brought before Congress and you know asked to be accountable for his actions. Uh, the reason I'm going into social media is that it's that took a long time to happen, and with AI, it's not. There is a level of scrutiny particularly within the tech industry and particularly within, you know, lawmaking and ethics that I have not seen uh, with anything before. You know, people are really scrutinising it. Well, one of the financial technological supermen of our planet is Elon Musk. What's he saying about artificial intelligence? I'm really quite close to, very close to to the cutting edge in AI and it scares the hell out of me. I mean, I think he's a little bit preoccupied at the minute by running a, a social media website. But he, you know, all, he was one of the original uh, investors in ChatGPT's company, our parent company called OpenAI. He wants to explore the space uh, quite a bit more. Um, he wants to sort of integrate Twitter with artificial intelligence. And I think eventually, if if all works out and he eventually gets that new CEO to come in and take over the social media website, I think he will devote his his full time energy to uh, artificial intelligence you know for example he you know his tesla cars have been incredibly successful and they rely on you know an an aspect of artificial intelligence in order to run their computing systems inside them so so i definitely think he will devote more time to to the space i mean we've seen it in the tech industry across lots of different founders Uh, a couple of years ago mark zuckerberg was very concerned with his meta space where it was this virtual reality that never really caught on. Now he's moving towards uh, more of a focus on artificial intelligence rather than the metaverse. Uh, and then you have places like Google, they've just launched Bard, you know, they're trying to get into the space. Microsoft, uh, I don't think anybody foreseen the the return of Bing uh, becoming uh, the new trendy search engine, but Bing is one of now the search engines which has implemented, uh, you know, an aspect of artificial intelligence. So it's, you know, it's it's coming back and it's, it's definitely going to change the way that we use search engines, um, which I think is a really good thing as well. I think, you know, when it comes to artificial intelligence, I think implementing it into uh, search engines is a really, you know, you know, important aspect. I think it's really incredibly helpful. Um, but yeah. There may be those listening and they're saying, ah, you know, this is often an all scare story and they're talking about Elon Musk and Terminator 2 and everything. And, you know, it's, it's not. But hold on a second. Hold on. The UN Secretary General, no less, Antonio Guterres, has said that artificial intelligence is being misused to subvert science and spread disinformation. He says artificial intelligence is an existential threat to humanity on par with the risk of nuclear war. The scientists and experts have called on the world to act, declaring AI an existential threat to humanity on a par with the risk of nuclear war. Now, that's not a... It may be slightly over the top, you could argue, but that's not a conspiracy theorist in in some dark corner of the web. No, it's definitely not. You know, if, you know, many could argue that it's slightly a bit hyperbolic. Um, It's, you know, it's it's certainly the concerns that he's echoing that that are true. Um, I think at its core, at at, at their core, his his comments really relate to uh, the abundance of misinformation. Uh, I think he's, you know, rightfully on the on the track of people uh, using artificial intelligence to generate the likes of things revolving around news stories, you know, which, which are false. They contain damaging accusations, say, about a country. That, you know, article goes viral in that country. It attracts the, you know, the attention of certain leaders. They may be convinced that it's a real news, news article, which contains very, 
you know, large straths of, of accusations about their country and therefore that could lead to, you know, tensions. I think the threat of nuclear war is slightly a little bit hyperbolic. Though. Well, Jeffrey Hinton, who's considered by many to be the godfather of artificial intelligence, I mean, he made the headlines, he's quit Google and he quit apparently to speak freely and raise awareness about the risks of AI. Joining us now to discuss Jeffrey Hinton. Uh, Jeffrey, thanks so much for joining us. So you left your job with Google in part because you say you want to focus solely on your concerns about AI. You've spoken out saying that AI could manipulate or possibly figure out a way to kill humans. How could it kill humans? Well, eventually, if it gets to be much smarter than us, it'll be very good at manipulation because it will have learned that from us. And there are very few examples of a more intelligent thing being controlled by a less intelligent thing. And it knows how to program, so it'll figure out ways of getting around um, restrictions we put on it. It'll figure out ways of manipulating people to do what it wants. Now, in every science fiction film where the robots take over, the creator always makes his desperate attempt to quit the company yeah. or warn everybody before it's too late. I remember in the film iRobot, he went out a window. So um, let's hope that Jeffrey Hinton's vacuum cleaner doesn't turn on him <laughs> anytime soon. And what can really be done, do you think, to mitigate any potential dangers from artificial intelligence? I think robust ethical guidelines, regulations. I think you, you with something like artificial intelligence, it's not going to be just the tech industry's um, you know, responsibility to, uh, to look at this and to, to manage it. I think that because it's advancing in so many industries and because it's affecting so many different people that you are going to need, you know, people like, our, uh, you know, governments, industry leaders, research institutions who all need to come together in order to develop a very cohesive set of guidelines on how to manage this so that it's transparent, fair, so that accountability can come into it. And the guidelines need to be followed across all of those boards. You can't have one industry that's allowed to use artificial intelligence in one way, but the other industry is barred from using it in that way. That's that's simply not fair. And and in order to, to you know, mitigate any danger in that, it's going to have to be fair across everybody. Um, you know, it, it I, I don't I can't really see there going to be a, a huge robot invasion anytime soon um but as long as that it's robustly criticized um by the likes of governments congresses you know who who look at the leaders and look at those responsible in developing this technology and making sure that they have to be transparent that's how you're gonna you're gonna, gonna mitigate any robot invasion. And that brings us to the end of an enlightening episode of the Beltel podcast on AI. We hope you enjoyed our discussion today, hosted by Kieran Dunbar and featuring the brilliant insights of Curtis Reed. Remember to stay curious and keep exploring the fascinating world of artificial intelligence. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out. Thank you for tuning in, and until next time. Embrace the A-driven future with an open mind and a sense of wonder. Thanks, chatbot. But I think we should all be just a little more sceptical. And of course, thank you, Curtis Reid. Thank you very much. This episode of The Bell Tell was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar. The sound design was by Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from CNBC, CNN, Fox News. And you heard clips from the films Terminator 2 and iRobot.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 